Welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. I'm Patty Scalzo, and we will be listening to the second part of a sermon delivered by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Pastor Greg is teaching from the book of 1 Samuel as part of the Through the Bible Heavenly Authority series. In chapter 13, Israel is paralyzed by fear of the large and well-equipped Philistine force that has invaded central Palestine. But today, we will see how God begins deliverance through one man of faith. Here now is Pastor Greg. Let's read in chapter 14, verse 1. Let's read about the difference that's made when you have someone that has bravery and has zeal based on faith in God. And Jonathan, we'll see here, stands out in sharp contrast to the quivering, trembling Israelites and even to his father's example because he's more of a leader than Saul. And you see the characteristics of leadership. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. So Saul is not aware of what Jonathan is going to do. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod, but the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. So no one knows what's going on. It's just Jonathan and his young armor bearer. And notice now that Saul has with him the priests, the priests who can offer the sacrifices. Remember, we've we studied Eli. We've studied what happened to Eli at Shiloh. We know about his son, Phinehas. Well, this is Phinehas' grandson, Ahijah, the son of Ahitub. Ichabod, remember we read about Ichabod's birth when Eli fell off the chair at the news of the conquest, the fall, Ebenezer? So the priest is there. The priest is wearing the ephod, and this will come in, Lord willing, next week when we read on. Remember, the ephod has the Urim and the Thummim inside. So Saul has a priest with him now, but no one in Israel knows what's going on. You know, a lot of times when people want to do something, they want to announce it, especially people in leadership. They like to blow the trumpet in the sense of showing off what they can do. Jonathan's going to do this very quietly. He's not looking for a spotlight. He's just looking to do the will of the Lord. And it says that between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina or Sena. And the front of one faced northward opposite Michmash, and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. By few. There are two of them. 
And he's thinking of going over just the two of them and taking on that large number of Philistines encamped at Michmash. And you see again here the Gideon principle. It's going to work. God's going to anoint Jonathan. And that Gideon principle is over and over in the, in the section of Judges and in Samuel that it's better to have a few who are not trembling. It's better to have a few anointed in God's Holy Spirit to go out into battle than to have a multitude that shake. God can use the few. Those that are faithful, those who believe God for the miraculous, those who come under the power and the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. You know, too many times in the church, it's important that people get saved and that numbers come in. But too many times in the church, we're concerned with quantity rather than quality. We want numbers. We feel comfortable with numbers. We feel we really can do it if only we had a lot of people with us. And Jonathan is just there, him and his armor bearer, who's younger than him. And he's offering himself to the Lord, and he's saying, Lord, use me. And that confidence, that calm faith in the power of God's Holy Spirit is more important to the kingdom going forward than all the numbers that you can fill in of people who the minute something goes wrong and the sun comes out and beats down on the rock, they have no root and they flee. And they run into the caves and they hide and they let the Philistines trot over the land. Quality of discipleship is more important than quantity. The few. Now this section he's going to cross, this I think they pronounce it the Wadi S. Suenai currently. It's, it's the pass of Mi'kmash, this area that is deep, a deep valley between Geba in the south and Mi'kmash in the north that cuts between the mountains. You have these two sharp rocks, it says, or crags, Bozes and Senna two sharp rocks in this mountain pass that Jonathan and his armor bearer have to climb to pass over to attack the Philistines. Situated on either side of this pass of Michmash. And the northern rock is Bozes. And the southern rock, the one they would come to first, is Senna. Now, Senna means thorn bush. Thorn. It comes from the word thorn to prick, a bramble. And that would be this rocky crag jutting out into the pass from the southern side by Geba, facing towards Michmash. And then the next rocky crag, some of your translations will say cliff, is north of that, on the northern side of the pass, Bozes, and Bozes means shining, shining, to shine. It comes from the root word to bleach, to make white. And the pass itself, this wadi, is precipitous. It's a deep drop if you fall. 
And what does Jonathan say as he comes to this area, as he has to cross over this pass to get to the Philistines, as he comes to this precipitous drop and these two rocky crags, the one facing north to Michmash and the one facing south to Gibeah. Jonathan steps out in faith and he says, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. He steps out in faith. Let's go. Let's go toward it. He says, it may be, in verse 6, that the Lord will work for us. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. And you see the faith that Jonathan has. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Remember, Jonathan, earlier on, we saw this the last time, had a thousand men under him in Gibeah. So he is a leader of men. Now they're left with only 600. Saul had 2,000 and he had a thousand. But he doesn't have the thousand with him now. And yet he says, come, let us go up to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Nothing restrains the Lord from saving. If God wants to do it, if God wants to save, and the theme of salvation is throughout the Bible, nothing can stop it. No army, no chariots, no nation, no demon. Nothing can stop God from delivering by whatever means he chooses, be it many or be it few. He can do it with a few. And here he's speaking about very, very few. Nothing can stop it. And we have to remember that. Many times we just see numbers. We see money. We see positions. We see cathedrals. And we say, gee, if only then we could. That's not what Jonathan's saying. He says, let's step out in faith. Let's proceed. And we're going to see he's not presumptuous. He also wants God to confirm that this is indeed his will. He knows God can do it, and then he's going to see if God wants to do it. But he believes that God has the power, the saving power to do it. He doesn't need a thousand doesn't need chariots. He can do it even with two, with very few. It could just be Jonathan and his sidekick. Does not need the multitude. What he needs, what God needs for the victory in this world are men and women who are after his own heart, who are obedient to his call. And that's so important to our study of heavenly authority. One man in history. One obedient, humble man, very few, one, provided salvation for the whole world because he was God in the flesh. God did it, and he did it through the one man, his son, the Messiah Yeshua, to take away the sins of the world. And of course, we can say, well, he's God in the flesh. Of course he can do it. Yet through him, through Jesus, Initially, only a few were anointed. What is the number in Jerusalem right after the ascension? Acts chapter 1, verse 15. 120. Very few. And God anoints. God baptizes them in the Spirit. And then thousands come in. And still the Bible, the book of Acts, 
is the history, is the account of very few being sent out. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Peter and John preaching. Peter going by himself and preaching to Cornelius' house. Philip the evangelist going on the road meeting people witnessing to Jesus. It's the story of a few, how God can save through a few. And men and women not saying, gee, what can I do? It's only me. But offering themselves onto the Lord Jesus Christ and letting him work a fantastic work in their lives. Anointed men and women, God working salvation through them. And you can hear the demons, the multitude of demons screaming as they went to town, to town, to city, to village, and they cast out and saw many conveyed to the light in the name of Jesus Christ. Nothing restrains the Lord from saving. You cannot stop God from saving by the many or by the few. This is a good point at which to leave the sermon. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. Our address is Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. And as always, we welcome you to join us at our church service. Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. May the Lord's presence overflow in your life as you serve Him.